0: Glad I got a couple of honest people. Uh, nobody I know likes the process. We like the outcome, but the process, what got you there? Everybody likes to tell their story, their testimony of the victory that has come into their life. But very few people will tell you the process that brought that blessing, that brought that miracle, that brought that answer to prayer. But I promise you, behind every testimony there really is a test amen and uh, we must remember that and we must be real because if we're not real then we will cause people to think that we are not of this world that we're weirdos and they have to understand that that we have difficulty just like they have we have trouble we have heartache just like they do but it's the grace and the mercy of God that has come into our life, that has transformed and empowered us to be greater than the things of this world. Amen? Praise God. Tonight I want to continue on that. I told you, we, I want to reread this here in Malachi chapter 3. And uh, he said, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me and the lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight behold he is coming says the lord of hosts but he can and who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire and like a la- launderer's soap he will sit as a refiner and purify of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Amen. Sunday we talked about gold worship. God can't really use you the way he wants to use you until you are go- have gone through the fire until He removes the lesser metals or lesser things up from your life. And it is in removing those lesser metals or those things in your life that are holding you down, that are waiting you back, and and it is in the midst of the fire that causes those lesser things to disconnect from you. Amen. And those things that are lesser in your life, and when they do, they all of that that has come loose, all of the lesser metals, all of the impurities, he will take them off. And be, as he scrapes them off of the top, it will continue to purify and make until it is pure gold. Amen. If you uh, you may have thought that you know that you was going as you was going through these things in your life, that it, it would be better if God would just not do uh, so much at one time, right? If, if he wasn't, if, he, if God, if you just wouldn't turn the fire up so hot. But how many understand that the hotter the fire gets, the more the impurities will come off of your life? Amen. If you have a a something in your life that God is wanting to purify, that he is wanting to get out, then you've got to be willing to allow him and trust him with the fire in your life. He said, think then it not strange when these fiery trials come upon you as some strange thing has come to you. Right. Amen. We have to understand that fires will come. And the enemy will use those fires to try to destroy us. But God says, I'm going to use them so that I can bring you to a place that I can use you. Praise God. And so it's in that impurity. It is in that cleansing process. And you may have thought that you couldn't make it without someone. Or you may have thought you couldn't make it without that job. You may have thought that, that those things in your life, you could never do it without a thing but God will cause those to be broken off and removed from your life, be consumed in the fire so that only that which you really need is left. Amen. Uh, Your your destiny is not in what has been consumed, so quit whining about it. Your destiny is still in what is left. And so what is being consumed in my life is that, that that cannot be shaken Will remain, but that that can be shaken, I don't need. Look at your neighbor and tell him if it can be shaken, I don't need it. And so it is in what can be shaken, what can be consumed, what can be burned up. I may think that I can't make it without it, but if it is consumable, then I can do without it. Amen. The refiner continues to turn up the heat until all the impurities come to the surface and are removed. I don't know about you, but when I go through the fire of life, I'm surprised at what comes out of me. Is that too real for you? I'm surprised when I get in the fire of the things that start coming to the surface. Thoughts that I thought that I didn't have no more. Amen. Words that I thought I didn't use and then they start forming in my mouth again. Can't get no real people in here tonight. Amen. Amen. That I thought that I didn't do any longer, but suddenly in the fire, those things start coming to the top. And God says, if you'll let me, I'll help you deal with these things. If you'll let me, I'll remove them from your life. Amen. Because you see, we're good at, at putting, pushing it down. We're good at suppressing things. We're good at hiding things. But when the heat is on, baby, the things that are hidden come to the top. Whenever the heat comes on, those things that are buried deep on the inside will start being loosened in your life and will come to the top. Not so that you can be embarrassed, but so that it can be removed from your life once and for all. And you can be transformed by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you thank Him for it tonight, give Him praise. It's in the fire of life that you understand what's truly valuable and what is only weighing you down. What is truly valuable and what is only weighing you down. I mean, know that your priorities change when you're in the fire. Things that you thought were so important before, but when the heat is on, when sickness comes, when affliction comes, when difficulty comes, When financial trouble comes, when stresses in relationships come, amen, it is then that those things that are really important in our life, we realize there are some things that aren't as important as we thought they were. We could do without that. We can do without this. We can make it without that. But there is one thing that remains sure. We cannot make it without our God. Amen. And it is in those pressure times, it is in that fire of life that causes causes us to understand that we can do without a lot of things, but we begin to prioritize the important things of our life so that we may remove those things that are only holding us down, those things that are weighty but don't have any substance. Amen. I mean, no lead is heavy, but it don't get much for it. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of things in your life that will weigh you down, but they're not going to give you very much dividends. They're not going to pay you much reward. Amen. And it is in the hot fire of our life that removes those things so that we can run the race with patience. Amen. He tells us here that never forget that whenever we're in the fire, that we're still to maintain an attitude of worship. Never forget it. Because God's mercy seat in your life is connected to your worship. Let me say that again. God's mercy seat in your life is connected to your worship. Remember Exodus? We read it Sunday morning. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make The cherub to be at at the two ends of it, of one piece with the mercy seat. Amen. He inhabits our praise. His mercy is connected to our worship. As we begin to worship him, we create a mercy seat with our worship. Amen. That he will show mercy. How many know that God's mercy is good? Amen. And I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful for the grace of God, but I don't know about you, but I need his mercy. I need him to show me mercy in my life. I know a lot of people say, but I just want them to get what's coming to them. Well, how would you like for you to get what's coming to you? Amen. But I want mercy. As he's sitting on the judgment seat, I want him not to be sitting, excuse me, not to be sitting on judgment seat, but I want him to be sitting on a mercy seat. Where that when he weighs and he judges on my behalf, he judges according to mercy and not according to what I should get. Because what I should get is what I would get in Adam. Amen. The sin of Adam, the wages of Adam, the death of Adam. But with his mercy, I get what's coming in Jesus. I get life, I get victory, I get hope. And I get his uh, joy that surpasses all understanding. Amen. And so he, we went on and we said Sunday that, he, the silver is the last. Uh, metal to release from gold. The heat has to be turned up to its highest level for the silver to be removed from the gold. It is at that point when the refiner will take and he is not able to even look over into the pot for very long but he has to take a long uh, armed uh, remover and he will remove the dross. He will remove the impurities as he sweeps it across the pot and he takes it off of the top and it is then that the silver is removed from the gold. The the silver is good, but gold is great. And God is saying in this hour to the body of Christ that we've been settled on silver. We've been settled on good. We've been happy with having enough to pay the bills and happy with having a good healthy life and happy with just making it and happy with holding on till Jesus comes. But God says, I've got some gold in store for you. I have not seen and ears have not heard and it's not entered into the heart of man, the things that I have in store for you. And so he is telling us, I've got gold, I've got greatness that is waiting for you, but you can't hold on to the good and give the great. You've got to be willing to let loose of the good so that I can bring the great about in your life. Amen. And so how do we get great? Exodus 25 and verse 18, it said, And you shall make two cherubs of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. You shall make two cherubs of gold. How are we going to do it? We're going to hammer work. You shall make them at the ends of the mercy seat. It would have been nice after going through the fire, if God would have said, I've got a nice preformed or precast mold that I'm going to pour you into and make you look just like me. Wouldn't that have been nice? Something easy after we went through the fire. After we went through all that we went through, after all the dross and all of the impurities were taken off of us, if he would have just said, I'll take that gold out, I'll pour it into a preformed, precast mold, and you will look just like me, I'll be pleased with you. But that's not what he said. He said, I'm going to take that gold after it's purified, and I'm going to hammer it. I'm going to beat it. It's the picture of the blacksmith or the goldsmith that takes the, the, the gold and begins to pound and begins to beat it and begins to shape it and begins to mold it into the creation that he desires for it to be. Amen. And you see here that the gold, it, it is not a time when he it, we, it, we waits till it gets cold, but it is still hot. Amen. It is still formable. It is still pliable and it is after the heat has taken out the impurities that he begins and we become forth pure gold. That he begins to hammer and beat us into that shape that he desires for us to be so that we can bring about his greater glory in our lives. Amen. You see, the fire is when the fire comes, it comes not to kill us. It doesn't come to destroy us, but it comes to make us in the image and the likeness. And God knows if we get cold and he begins to hammer us that we will crack. We will break. So in his wisdom, while the heat is still on. He will take us and begin to beat and begin to hammer and begin to work on us to shape us and to beat us into a position. What is the hammer blow of life doing to us? It is beating us into a position of worship. That blow of betrayal, that blow of sickness, that blow of the hammer of pain, that blow of abandonment that you feel in your life. Amen. What is it doing? It is breeding us into a form or a place of worship because we cannot worship him as long as we are full of pride. We can't worship him as long as we're full of self. We can't worship him as long as we are we are never uh, have those impurities removed from our life. But it is in this process and the blows of life, the pain of life, the hammering of the will of God uh, that is allowed in our lives will shape us and form us and it positions us in a place that we will be worshipers of him. Amen. The angel's wings cannot touch as long as they were standing straight up. Are you with me? As long as we're standing straight up, I've got this. I can do this. Right? There isn't no worship going on. Renee, come help me. Can you help me? All right. As long as we're standing straight up, we're not connecting. You help me here. You stand right, turn right. No, no, you're wrong way. There you go, there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh baby, you're beautiful. <laughs> later, later. All right. right. Amen. As long as we're standing here straight up, we can't connect our worship. Are you with me? Pride will keep you standing straight up. I'm the man, I'm the woman, I can do this. I don't need nobody else, right? But those hammer blows of life start bending us, begin shaping us, begin bowing us over until our worship connects. And when we're in a bent, posture bowing position, it is then that our worship connects. And the Bible says in the midst of our worship, there is a mercy seat that is created. Thank you. Thank you. So it is in my brokenness, it is in that time of worship where that I be- am bent over, where that I'm bowing down, that my worship connects with somebody else's worship. And when I do, the Bible said my worship is connected to the mercy seat. Hallelujah. Amen. And I know that I preached on it the last couple of weeks. So I'm not go back into it again. But when you're worshiping God, when true worship is going on, we don't criticize other people. When true worship is going on, we don't condemn and judge and point our fingers and look down our nose at somebody else. Amen. Because when there is true worship going on, there's a mercy seat in the middle of it. Glory to God. Amen. And so you see, we move into a position of worship and God moves into a position of mercy. When we move into that place of worship, that position of worship, bowing ourselves in his presence, God moves into a position of mercy and shows us mercy. Yes, you deserve to die. Yes, you deserve judgment. Yes, you deserve to be condemned. Yes, you deserve to be uh, thrown into wickedness. But mercy shows up and he judges from that mercy seat and say, yes, I know your sin. Yes, I know your guilt. Yes, I know you were condemned, but I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to show you my grace. I'm going to show you my love. Why? Because somebody was worshiping. And where there was a worship, there was a connection of their broken worship. And in that broken worship of a humble attitude, it is there that mercy shows up. And grace is extended to you and I. Amen. It is out of our brokenness on the earth that creates an openness in the heavens. Let me say that again. It's the brokenness in the earth that creates an openness in the heavens. And whenever we are broken on earth, It is them that God's mercy is open to us in the heavens and will be revealed in our life. But God doesn't want us standing straight up. He doesn't want us, amen, going around saying, Look at me. He wants us to be broken. He wants us to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And in due season, He will exalt us. Amen. You see, it is in that brokenness in our lives, those hammer blows that will position us in a place. Where that we won't be ashamed to worship God. Amen. You see, whenever people are high and mighty, they're afraid somebody what somebody else will say. They're afraid to lift their hands. They're, men are afraid to have tears stream down their face. Women are afraid to expose themselves to, to the presence of God, to a place that they would just uh, worry about what other people may think about them. But you see, when you're broken, you don't care what other people think. Amen? You see, I tell you this tonight and I'm sure you already know but the most dangerous person on the face of this planet is somebody that don't have nothing to live for. You give a man two life sentences in prison and they'll be the most dangerous person in the prison. Why? Why? What else have they got to live for? What have they got to lose? And whenever we are broken people in the earth, we don't have nothing to lose. We don't have nobody to impress. We don't have nobody to worry about, well, what are they thinking? Well, I don't care. I didn't come to worship you. It really don't matter if you like my dance. It ain't about you. It doesn't matter if I clap on beat or off beat. It just depends on if I'm a black church or white church, if I'm right. Amen. It don't matter about all of that. What it matters about is my heart toward him that says this isn't about people. It isn't about myself. It's about the king of glory. And so my life has been broken. It's been broken through a series of events. It's been broken through times of my life. It's been broken through the hammer blows of life that have caused me to come to the place that I now am. And because of that, the doctor's report that comes, the child that disappoints you, the broken relationship that comes, all of these things release batterings of worship in your life that calls you to come to a place that say it really doesn't matter what people think about me because I'm here to worship him and him alone and so therefore I'm going to give him my extravagant praise I'm going to give him my best worship today I may not have next Sunday may not have next week but I've got today and so today Today, I'm going to give it all to him. I'm going to bless him with everything that is within me. So that if I leave this life, I don't leave it with wishing or wondering, did I do my best? But I'm going to give him the best praise that I can give him every single time I come to the house of the Lord. broken praise, broken, battered worship will cause you to worship God when nobody else will. Broken, battered worshipers don't need the right music. Amen. Don't need their kind of song. They just know God's good. And his mercy, I need his mercy. And if I'm going to get his mercy, I've got to build a mercy seat. And the only way I can build a mercy seat is attach my broken, battered worship to another and create an atmosphere where that mercy runs free. Hallelujah. You see, it's in our brokenness that God is able to use us in a manner in which he desires to use us. As long as you're full of pride, as long as you're arrogant, as long as you're full of self, you'll never praise God the way he deserves to be praised. Amen. I love, that's the reason I like to get around new folks, new saints that don't know nothing about church. Religious folk, you know, we know when to say amen, don't we? We know when to lift our hands. We know when to say praise the Lord. But have you ever got around folks that ain't been raised up in the church and know all the customs of the church? And they and you start hearing them whistle. You start hearing them holler down. We had one down there in in. Uh, Lewisburg, and they got saved. They didn't know any difference. No, it was a revival service, wasn't it? They got saved, and they started running through the church hollering, great balls of fire. <laughs> now, you know, if that had been some of us, we'd just been, hallelujah, I feel the Lord. was in that time of brokenness. It was in that time of release that they didn't know it quite how to express themselves, but they expressed themselves the best way they knew how. Amen. Could you imagine the brokenness of Paul and Silas in the midst of the fire in the midst of the chaos in the midst of what theologians tells us was the basement of the prison That the sewer was running through and the rats were there. Their bodies were perhaps even to a point that, if not infected, could be infected by many types of diseases. But it was in that midst of battered wings that they offered up a battered worship while their backs were still bleeding. While their hands were still in shackles and their feet still in chains, that they made the determination that it's not about the circumstances that we're in, but we need a mercy seat. We need mercy in this situation. Amen. And they began to offer up praise. And in their bent over state. Amen. Their broken worship connected one with another. And in the midst of it. God filled the the place where they were. With a mercy seat. And judged on their behalf. Amen. And set everyone free. Glory to God. Can I tell you tonight. That it's not just about you. But when we will give God battered worship, when tears are streaming down our face, when we don't have answers but we have a trust in Him, when we can't comprehend and can't trace how He's going to do a thing but we say, God, we know that You're God and we trust You with our lives. We depend upon You. We're going to stand right here. Oh God, we don't have the money to pay make this last month's car payment, let alone this month's, but we're going to stand right here and praise You. God we don't know how you're gonna turn this thing around know the doctor's report has come and it's a bad report but I'm gonna stand by night in the house of the Lord and I'm going to bless your name and I'm going to praise you with tears streaming down my face with heartbroken, with troubled mind I'm going to choose to bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth I'm going to create a place of mercy I'm going to create a place that he can inhabit he can dwell and God you said you would inhabit the praise of your people and so I choose today in the midst of this battering in the midst of this trouble that I am going to bless your holy name oh hallelujah glory to God and in the midst of it we create a mercy seat That he provides mercy on our behalf. Hallelujah. Real worshipers are leaders. Real worshipers are leaders because real worshipers don't wait to see how others are going to react. Real worshipers blessing just because he's God. Amen. Don't matter if the singer's missing. Don't matter if the music, yes, thank God for it. It helps us, right? We know the minstrel was created. Elijah said, go get me a minstrel and I'll prophesy. There's something about the sound of music that'll create an atmosphere that the gifts of the spirit will flow. But when we don't have it, we still got worship. And it is that worship that creates an atmosphere where that God will come down. Real leaders are worshipers because they don't wait to see what the atmosphere is going to be like. Amen. Amen. The atmosphere may be cold. The atmosphere may be dead. The atmosphere may be gloom and despair. Amen. But we're leaders. So we rise up and we lead. What do we lead? We lead worship. Amen. It's not about my feelings. It's not about what the surroundings. It's not about the circumstances. Amen. But as I told you a few weeks ago, my worship is not a response to God's presence. My worship is an invitation for his presence to come. Amen. And to ambush my praise, to ambush my circumstance. And so therefore, if I'm going to change the climate, right? Because how many know we're living in a real world with real trouble? And so in this real world where there's real trouble, people have real problems. And the church isn't exempt. Come on, somebody. I wish I had a couple honest people tonight. And those hurting, broken people come into this house on Sunday. Amen. And if we're not careful, we'll let the heaviness that they are carrying dictate whether we worship God or not. But we are leaders. We are the people that are going to step out from the scenes and we're going to lift our hands and we're going to praise him. We're going to bow ourselves in his presence and we're going to create a mercy seat where those hurting and broken and battered people can have a soft. Relationship with a living Christ that will transform and change their lives forever. Hallelujah to God. Glory to God. I don't want to wait on others to worship if nobody else worships. I'll worship all by myself. I praise Him because I need His mercy. Not praising him because I got what I needed. I not praising him because it's all together. Not praising him before, because the answers come. I'm praising him because I need his mercy. And he promised me that his mercy would be connected to my worship. And I, if I do my part, God I know is true to his word and he will do his part. And mercy will come running to where we are. Hallelujah. Well, that's what I got for you tonight. Hallelujah. Is anybody thankful for his mercy tonight?